So it turns out we're recording Batman today. <laughs> For the listeners, they can't see it, but Abby's wearing his... Uh, well, I can't say favorite. I shouldn't talk on, on your behalf, but he's wearing a Batman <laughs> t-shirt. And um, I have Batman... Nightmare? Nightmare, right? It's not his camera. What are they called? Like Pop something? Oh, yeah, Pop. That's Batman Nightmare, right? Like from yeah, um, Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder's, yeah, it's, yeah, Snyder Cut. Which Tony? Oh, BBS, right? Sorry, man, I, I don't got ten hours of a day that much. <laughs> I, I should watch it. I should watch it. But man, like, by the way, you heard the good news about Henry Cavill? No, what is uh, it? Wait, I, I want to. It's, it's, it's a separate. It's a separate thing. Warner Brothers announced the Man of Steel too. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I, I thought you were talking about something else. Which oh, no, no, no. Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can see where you made that connection. <laughs> <laughs> because I had a spoiler, and I'm pretty sure you had a spoiler. I did, yes. Man, it says sure. it it, might be... Sorry. Yeah, it was two years ago when the rumors first started, so... Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Wait, so pe- did people like Man of Steel 1? I thought no one liked it. I did, for sure. I love Man of Steel. Yeah, me too. I love Man of Steel. I've seen oh. it like nine times. Damn! Because yeah. I'm seeing this this article saying might be starring the long-awaited Man of Steel two, and I'm like, I didn't know. I thought people didn't like it. Okay. Oh no, dude! Like, I mean, everybody's been vouching for Man of Steel for or Man of Steel two for a very long time because Henry Cavill did an amazing job, and he's pretty much like our Christopher Reeve of the 21st century, right? Yeah. And um, it was disappointing when we when all the news broke out, the dramas around. Warner Brothers and the change of leadership, management, CEOs, blah 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 blah. There's a whole kind of drama around that, and um, and then Henry Cavill kind of got the boot, and um, nothing to do with Henry Cavill at all. Um, apparently, it was just you know decisions change in businesses and uh, whatever that is, <laughs> all sorts of bureaucratic like nightmares, I suppose. Um, but anyway, like um, yeah. Abby's right, like, as of a couple of days ago, or was it last week? When no, just today, I think it was just announced today. Oh, okay. Yeah, By the I way, saw that too. can you see that? Ooh. Is that you? That was me and Henry Cavill in 2013. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. 2013? Yeah. The year that Man of Steel came out? Yeah, it was during the premiere in Sydney. Oh, get out of here, yeah. dude. I'm so jealous. Oh. Yeah, I, I planted that seed a long time ago, and I'll meet him again. <laughs> Love that, and the Man of Steel two premiere for Sydney. There you yeah. Go. Oh man, that was a very long intro. That's got nothing to do with the episode. Oh yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll probably end up cutting that. Eh? <laughs> nah, 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 nah. We don't need to cut it. We don't do cuts here, man. We did, we just live fresh. You know, we're like tryhard Joe Rogan podcasters. <laughs> By the way, Jamie, you should bring that up. Uh, no, uh. <laughs> no, no, Jamie here. Um, welcome to the Legit Cool Podcast, where we review, re- recap, and break down everything to do with movies and TV series. If it's your first time here, welcome to the podcast. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for showing up and continuing to support the show. Back again is Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. Hello. Good to have you here. Thanks. Great series. Loves being here for specifically Lord of the Rings. Colin Power. <laughs> rings of power. And um and we can't leave out our special guest from the last two episodes, RB Pie. Slice of Pie YouTube channel, you should totally check it out. Um I haven't actually checked it out myself, so I should probably <laughs> do the do the walking and not just the talking. So welcome back, RB. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. 
And you are so excited to talk about episode eight, the finale, aren't you? Define excited. Oh, this is so cool. That kind of excited. I'm enthusiastic to talk about it, I guess you could say. Wow, that's a very political, diplomatic answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what? That's good enough for me. So we should just jump straight into it because we've got a lot to cover. Episode 8, the finale. Um, The finale wasn't longer than any other episode. It has pretty much a standard Rings of Power runtime of one hour and 12 minutes, which I believe is the same runtime as the last episode, right? Um, This is directed by Wayne Yip, who's coming back to do the last episode. I think the last... The episode that he directed previous to this one might have been episode... Five or four or something, yeah, like a while ago. Wayne's back, I'm excited. Wayne's back. He's, He's the martial arts guy, right? He, well, we thought he was, but he didn't do episode six, which had a ton of martial arts. Who did episode six? Charlotte? Uh, Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte. Charlotte did the last, like, two, I think. Oh, dude, I just found out she's also a martial artist as well. Wow. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> hey, actually, I want, to, I want to sort of raise a point here at the risk of, like, making this go long. What's everyone's thoughts on how TV shows are going for, like, an hour 12, an hour 10? Like, you know, back in the day, an hour TV show was, like, a solid 40 minutes. I kind of miss those days. Well, it depends on how far back you go. Okay. TV you know series... Why? Why? Oh, sorry to cut you off, but back, back no, in the sorry. day when it was on TV, a third of the time was allocated for advertising. So half an hour episodes were 20 minutes and 60 like hour episodes were actually 40 minutes. So that's why that it makes sense. That yeah. Yeah. And if you pirated back then, it was like a nice smooth ride. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just feel a bit weird about it being like an hour 12 for a TV show. It's yeah. Weird. It's almost like movie territory then. Right. Almost. Yeah. And like now it, we know that Tony used to be a pirate. Yeah, I used to like steal a lot. I'm sorry, everybody. But I'm I discouraging now. you. I stopped you now. Stopped. Have you? Have you though? Yeah, like I had a I had a thing when I was a kid and I had no money. I was like pirating a lot, and then I said to myself, when I eventually had money, I would stop doing this. And now I have like five or six streaming services, and I feel pretty bad about it. That seems like a very uh, immoral justification, there, Tony. I have to say. Yeah, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of terrible people. Wayne, no, no, not Wayne yet, the director <laughs> speaking, not speaking of terrible people, I just like to segue into some kind of direction by using that common excuse, speaking of so-and-so, um, but we have the same writers for the show, um, I'm pretty sure that John D. Payne and Patrick McKay are the writers for the entire um, season one to five, I mean, I honestly think if this is going to be the case, then I really hope they kind of pull their head out of their ass a little bit and just kind of write something a little bit more exciting, if you know what I mean. Perhaps season two has a bit more spark ignited into, especially the start. Because can you imagine if they go through the same um, rhythm where episode one, two, three, four, perhaps is just boring, people talking, standing around, talking, and then they kind of ramp it up towards the end of the season. Can you imagine that? It's going to be a tough watch. Like, um, that's why, like, it's kind of funny. Like, I've been kind of positive about this recently, but thinking back on the whole journey, it is, it is tough to get through. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a struggle. Um, yeah. So, you know, good on for the writer, good on to them for the writers to be able to, like, create such an expensive, or create something out of such an expensive uh, budget. Uh, but I really hope they bring in some other writers because that's kind of how you're probably going to get better development, fresh ideas, you know, 
like a different pace perhaps whatever but at the same time i mean like don't you have like this one story you're telling for five seasons the continuity might be important i don't know yeah but i mean if i look at all the successful tv series like all of them have different writers that come in and out right if you look at the Disney Plus Marvel Cinematic Universe series, although not a lot of the vast majority of them are not really that great, in my opinion, but they do have different writers and different directors that chime in and all that kind of stuff. Same with Mandalorian. Mandalorian is a great example. There's a different director for pretty much each episode in season one for The Mandalorian, and season one for Mandalorian was sick. I loved it. Um, so yeah, fresh ideas. So long as you have someone that's kind of at the helm of the boat right that's kind of at the mass yeah. of the boat as long as they're steering the boat in the right direction a kevin feige type figure whatever that might be then they should be fine if they get other people man i was gonna say like uh, i remember do you remember heroes the yeah. tv show i love that tv show mm-hmm. yeah, like, half amazing. Of I think, like season two they replaced writers with no writers Oh, <laughs> no, that's because they had that um the strike the, the writer's strike, strike. It a lot was, of okay. shows suffered during that time <laughs> i don't know if i would have offended you guys but like that show went from something i very much loved to something that was i i abhorred i hated it during that time wait did you hate it knowing that that happened or was that sort of prior to knowing i think i think i knew though the writer strike but it just not a lot of the other shows were affected as badly because season one was incredible right mm-hmm. and then season, season two was just there's mm-hmm. some really good shows which got cancelled, which had a lot of promise. I remember them coming out. Do you remember oh. Flash Forward? I mean, no, no but oh. I remember... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Why is that ringing a bell? They had such good potential and promise, and they cancelled it. Is that the guy going to the future? Something like that. They, I can't remember exactly, but it was something to do with time travel or... Yeah. Oh, man, I love all You get, you get like, memories from your future self or something like that. It just comes That's cool. But and the thing is, I've had that flash forward. Sorry? Yeah, it was called cool. Flash Forward. That's a little bit on the nose, isn't it? Mm. Actually, maybe that's not the idea. I can't remember. Uh, <clears throat> um, well, yeah, I mean, TV series, you know, going back to what you were saying before, um, whether TV series are too long. I mean, I grew up in an era where TV series were like half an hour, 25 minutes even. Like, with advertisements, it was like a 20-minute show. And now we have new expectations. We have new standards for what TV shows are. And I think a lot of that has to do with the rise of Netflix, you know, the the empire of Netflix, if you want to call it that, um, and the rise of all the other streaming services because they're trying to compete against the Goliath Netflix, right? So, And Netflix is kind of controlling people's expectations, you know. It's really hard to get to that point. Netflix is basically the Apple of streaming services right if apple apple decides to bring out like a camera that's like like a dual camera or three cameras in the front for for facey of for facey for selfies <laughs> you know if, if they decide to put three lenses for the selfie cam then everybody else is going to do it right and then all the consumers are just going to go along with it so netflix is kind of like hey if they wanted to start increasing that standard of TV shows being one hour and 30 minutes, it's going to be successful because they have a winning formula where they're the ones kind of owning that top, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. I think, like, you know, back in the day, HBO were, like, the only ones doing those long-form dramatic shows, and I guess everyone just kind of followed in their footsteps. <clears throat> makes sense, too. Yeah. Um, so I think we should get into the recap instead of yeah, doing for sure. uh, key highlights and lowlights. I think because it's the finale, we'll do something a little bit different. Like, jump straight to the recap. (laughs) 
it's a long recap you got here, so yeah, let's do it. It's a long recap. You know, we'll skim through uh, a few things, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have slightly different opinions by the end of, like, whatever our opinions are right now of the finale. I have a feeling we're going to have slightly different opinions by the end of it. Really? Okay. That's interesting. I mean, I'm only sort of thinking from my perspective, because... Like I said before, we jumped on to this to record this. <clears throat> I just watched um, part of episode eight again, and there are some things that I'm like, "Oh, interesting! Can't remember that." There's some other things I'm like, "Oh, that doesn't sort of work as well as I thought it." <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I think we're going to have slightly different opinions, and that's part of why the recap is so fun, right? Yeah. All right, let's um do my cool transition. Into the recap, we go. All right, our final episode opens on the stranger walking through the Greenwood stranger slash Gandalf, trying so hard to hide the fact that he's actually Gandalf, which is total lies. He is Gandalf. Um, He's walking through Greenwood, which, by the way, I found out what Greenwood ends up being through a uh, YouTube breakdown clip. Do you you know what Greenwood ends up being, um, Arby? Uh, would it be Rivendell? I'm not no, sure. No, no. It ends up being Mirkwood. Oh, Mirkwood, right. Oh, of oh. course, that makes sense. Yeah, Wait. so, because Mirkwood is, is like the... Place? Yeah, it's a wood, It's a wood, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, are you just using the word wood and wood to say that makes sense? Like, Mirkwood and Greenwood? Because they are woods as well, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right. Okay, that, that seems thinking, logical. Like, there's a world, right? There's so many other woods it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, there wouldn't be. There's, um, they'd be connecting it to something in the future. I just know yeah. there would be. Because Mirkwood is like the haunted forest, isn't it? Yeah. Something like that. Like the possessed, corrupt yeah. forest. Yeah. And, and the way this area, Greenwood, ends up, it pretty much is on that road of like corruption and, and yeah. being haunted. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Oh, in, uh, until he came involved and like brought it back to life, right? For a bit. And then they well, burned it all. Is, isn't it a portion of it, though? It's not the whole forest. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's like like one acre compared to like 70 acres. <laughs> mm. He looks as homeless as ever, but it seems mm. to cherish the apple Nori gave him in the previous episode. He continues to hear her voice, you're good, you're good. It's like a chant. You're good. Tony, you're good. You can come back from your pirating days of... Uh, <laughs> Man, <laughs> they're doing fine. <laughs> he tumbles down a hill, loses his apple, and bumps into the three creepy folks, a.k.a. Eminem, Eminem. Um, by the dweller. They think he's Sauron because why not, right? This is when Tony got super excited. He was like, oh my god, oh, it's Sauron! And then I'm, I'm always, so happy. Uh, I'm also like, yes, he's... Well, I didn't say yes, but I said... Oh my god, he is Sarah. I was also kind of shocked. I took the bait. Why did I take the bait? Why did you take the bait? Me? I mean, I'm easily tricked, so... <laughs> this is true. And I'm not easily tricked, and I, I feel feel like a little bit of an idiot that I took the bait, because I, after re-watching it, I'm like, oh, dude, it's so obvious that he's not Sarah. And like, Wait, why is it obvious? Well, I don't know. I think it's... I think it's just so clear that why would you start off the episode of saying that this stranger that we've met since the beginning of the season, why would you start the episode off with him being Sauron? Because what else are they going to do for the rest of the episode, right? I mean, yeah. 
it's kind of interesting. I feel like <laughs> in this one is kind of piss- it pisses me off a little bit because, like, as you know, throughout the entire series, I wanted him to not be Gandalf. I wanted him so badly to not be Gandalf, and so I was like, oh, when he's questioning, like, am I a peril? I don't know. Am I a danger? Like, he was trying to like plant seeds of him being Sauron. The thing that kind of annoys me about this is that like they just send you down a wrong path purely for TV show purposes, right? To try and trick you. And like, it just seems a little bit cheap. It is a little bit cheap. And this is what I was talking about. I think I'm going to have a slightly different opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was legitimately excited when I thought he was Sauron. I'm like, that's cool. Because this went in kind of like a different direction. And, you know, I'm kind of in love with that whole theory that Sauron is like not a bad guy. I mean, he is, but he kind of sometimes isn't. He's, He's morally ambiguous. Yeah, I, I really like that in, in my villains. And so when I heard that, like, this guy who was trying to be good, um, actually, like, in Sauron, that was really exciting for me. And then eventually later you find that's not true. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I just think Yeah, that, I agree. It's good to have some redemptive factors. Right, yeah. And just to finish off my point, I guess, like, this kind of um, harms the entire half-foot storyline, in my in my opinion. Like, it just makes it very by the numbers, very by the book. And it was also boring on the journey as well, because this entire show has been, like, take like having little tiny clues of little tiny puzzles and mysteries, and then at the end of the episode 8, they answer them all, which is great, but this one in particular was a pretty boring reveal. That's all. Yeah, that's true. Wait, are you still talking about the... <coughs> I just choked. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> <coughs> oh. Excuse me. <coughs> I just choked. Ugh. All right, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm come back. Um, are you talking about the boring reveal of Sauron or the boring reveal? Like the Sauron reveal is is fantastic, but when you find out this guy who you've met is actually Gandalf, it kind of like I don't know. It just makes Wait, the entire half. That, we're not up to that part of the recap. We don't know it's Gandalf yet. <laughs> Actually, technically, we don't know in the entire episode, right? Well, but- yeah, both me and you didn't know. <laughs> we were like, huh. No, but I was still adamant. Wasn't I still adamant that he was Gandalf? Or did I just buy into the fact that he's Sauron? I can't remember. I, I, I mean, is he actually Gandalf? They never say, right? Well, they don't. There's, there's one thing, which we'll obviously cover in the recap. We won't cover it now. There's one thing that that pretty much 99.999% confirms that he's Gandalf. Follow the notes. Yes. <laughs> You just spoiled the recap. Oh, sorry, bro. <laughs> Wait, and no. you want to see some stuff? I was going to say that <clears throat> it was most likely going to be Gandalf, of course, but I thought and one other alternative was Radagast the Brown because he did have more of a brownish tone to him compared to Grey. So. Yeah, is, he's, is, he's, is he's nature Brown. Sorry, is Radagast the Brown the, um, the annoying, like, Birchett wizard? Yeah, he, he's the rat sled guy. In The Hobbit, yeah. Yeah, I hate that character in The Hobbit. But he's not really like that in the books, so I don't... <laughs> yeah. Because so he's kind of crazy movie. in the movie, right? Whereas in the book, he's just a normal dude. Dude, he's crazy. He's got like schizophrenia, bipolar, and... <laughs> I don't know. It looks I'll like a homeless dude. Reality. I don't know. He just wasn't a very likable character. And doesn't he, like, kill someone in The Hobbit or something? I can't remember. I only saw The Hobbit once the first time, and now I've forgotten about it. That's probably a good thing that you forgot about it. <clears throat> I tried hard to forget. I love the book, though. Yeah, I mean, that's usually the case. If the movie's terrible, then the book's actually quite good. Um, so they think he's Sauron, because why not? Obviously. Um, of course, there's no way he's Sauron, blah, 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 blah. Um, elsewhere, Galadriel, also, or... Yes? 
just want to say, like, your your recap says there's no way he's Sauron. I bought it. So it worked on me. <laughs> it did. And it did work on me too. <coughs> Elsewhere, Blandriel transports Halbrand to the elves. And mind you, Halbrand is, like, completely, like, injured. Well, you know, he's, like, he's pretty much on his deathbed with the way yeah. they're carrying him into, what's that place called? They're carrying him into... Is it uh, Origian? A re- it has region. to be a region, right? A yeah, region. because that's where um, Calibrimbrol's thing is. Yeah, there's like two dudes carrying him in, and he's just pretty much like on his deathbed right there. He looks like he's about to die. <clears throat> and then it turns out he's not really about to die. He's kind of like okay when he stands up at yeah. the, whatever that hall, uh, the workshop. And he stands in the workshop and he's kind of wondering. And the, it's what okay, I'm kind of jumping a bit, but I just want to say this because it's on the top of my head. It's like when he's dwelling in sort of the unlit workshop, it's so dodgy, dude. He just kind of, he, he reeks of evil spirits, dude. And I'm like, how did we not see this before? Man, he's just a dude chilling. You're just- <laughs> no, because like moments before that, the dude was like practically dead. <laughs> so he has like some mystical powers. Obviously, he's like Sauron. So he has some, you know, mystical powers that kind of make him invulnerable, I suppose. Yeah. It was interesting that he recovered so quickly. I thought that was like a plot hole and was going to like talk <laughs> it was about like, like, it was like oh, minutes. It was minutes before that. <laughs> yeah. And then knowing what you've known later, it's kind of like, oh, okay, it's it's fine. But then it was kind of weird. Like, why did he act hurt? Is, is Was this all his plan all along? I don't know. Yeah. I oh, think the show has just like thrown all sense of time scale out the window. Like they make journeys, which are supposed yeah. to take like six days, happen in like 10 hours. <clears throat> So, yep. And I know, like, River, you always hate the sun coming up immediately, like, four times. Oh, my God, man. Like, the, my response to the sun rising, it's like, you know, it's super dark in the forest. They get outside, the sun is slowly rising, and then, like, moments later, literally two seconds, two second cut later, the sun's, like, 12 p.m. or something. <laughs> like, I don't even notice that when you got came out. <laughs> oh, dude, it's just, it bugs me all the time. Um, who was about... As entertaining as a traveler as my dad, the one true king is apparently passed out on his own horse. <laughs> Auron tells Calabrimbor that the dwarves told him to F off. Calabrimbor is like, well, maybe there is some small thing we can make out of this piece of mithril, and that will aid in our quest for immortality. The 10 or 12 people who haven't seen The Lord of the Rings lean forward in their seats. I mean, um, I didn't. Or did I? I think I did. Wait, I, I mean, question, we, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'll say, like, personally, there's a show called The Rings of Power. When The Rings of Power sort of get mentioned, it is kind of nice. Like, I, I like prequels, you know, where you know what's going to happen and you see that process unfold. So I, I kind of enjoyed, oh, they're making the rings now. That's so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what's actually kind of funny and i don't know if anyone else like cares about this but killer brimbor does a deal with the dwarves to make a forge like hotter than any other that can do something incredible right that's the whole reason this whole deal takes place mm. and then when you see this forge it's like what like 40 centimeters by by 50 like it's not a big forge am i crazy for being underwhelmed by that <laughs> mm, well i never it could be that, like definitely. just the tip of the iceberg you know though uh, I guess so. it could be yeah. like more of the structure underneath, underneath. Yeah, because like it's just it's it's not a big thing in the middle of the room. <laughs> well, 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 there is, there is, right? Like it almost looks like a well, 
that goes deep but, into something. And yeah. remember, like all the all the cuts to seeing the forging happening. I'm that's pr- pretty clear that it's not within that workshop. <clears throat> it's like okay. elsewhere Fair. underneath in the fires of Mount Doom. No, <laughs> Blondrill appears. That's where the ring was forged, right? The fires of Mount Doom. Yes, the One Ring. So. This is true. The One Ring, which we're probably going to get in the finale of episode five. Yeah, I <laughs> oh, sorry, season five. Yeah. That's when we're probably get the, the forging of the One Ring. Um, Blindrill appears, stunning everyone. She rode for six days. We're told without rest. Halbrand is like, kill me now. <laughs> but, but the Elvish Doctor is doing their thing anyway. Aaron is like, sorry, I should have gone with you to the light. She, she's like, what ifs? We're good. Nah, she didn't really bear that. She was, she was really astounded. Not astounded, but she was glad to see Auron again. You know, there's sort was of she, I thought she was. I thought she was kind of pissed. Like he had to like apologize to her. She was a bit mad. <clears throat> I, I guess I'm thinking about the scene after that when they had the dialogue. You know, where she eventually opens up. You know, shares her heart and says, "You know, um, we're very close." Blah blah blah. You know, I don't know. If, I don't know exactly what she says, but she says something to the effect of, "We're very close," and. Like, I love you, kind of thing, in a weird way. Like, mm. in a friend way, I should say, because they're kind of long-distance cousins, aren't they? I guess so. I don't know. I mean, you know more about the ages now, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, what were you asking, though, in particular? Uh, like, Gladriel and Aaron, aren't they, like, long-distance cousins? Yeah, Gal- Gladriel is his um, mother-in-law. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right, and how much older is she? She's in the Lord of the Rings timeline. She's about seven thousand ish, and Elrond is about six thousand. And the Rings of okay. Power is set about fifteen hundred years before that. Uh, right. Okay. So she's she uh, have Elrond, so Galadriel's about five thousand in Rings of Power, and Elrond oh. would be four. Okay. Damn. Makes sense okay. to me. Not really, but I'm just going to go with it. That's crazy. <laughs> um, later, Halbrand recovered from his wounds, explores Linden. He bumps into Calibrimbor, kisses his ass for a few moments, and then goes down to business. What are you building? Um, I wanted to make a little f- something, Calibrimbor says, but I don't have enough of anything. Halbrand picks up the small shard of mithril and suggests using other ores to amplify this piece. I know that they're, that w- what he's talking about because... I've played the Shadow of Mordor and <laughs> the Shadow of War. This is more for you, Tony. <clears throat> Where you find and craft objects all around Middle-earth. So technically, I'm smarter than Calibrimbor, one of the wisest elves in existence. You know the games, Tony. Yeah. Do you get to do a lot of forging of stuff? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you, you forge some stuff. But it's like, you know, it's, it's all menus, right? Like, you're not actually swinging the hammer. Oh. <laughs> you do forge rings and stuff? You insert um, rocks into weapons. Okay, that sounds that sounds pretty. Uh, it sounds like a good qualification to me. And I guess in in defense of Halbrand, you know, he's he is kind of spitting his resume right here and trying to say the, that he knows a little bit more without saying that he knows a little bit more. So this is like kind of unknown game. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to say it anyway. So in, in the games, right? Because I don't actually know a lot of the background of like uh, the Cimmerillion. I don't. I'm not really into all that stuff. But like in the games, it's very, very dramatic how um, Sauron like convinces Celebrimbor to make the ring, <clears throat> and then at the moment, like, at, at a key moment, the ring like betrays Celebrimbor and goes to Sauron, and then Sauron wins this big fight. Right? Wait. So that's in the game. Is that in the book as well, Abby? Sauron, like, uh, convincing, or, 
Yeah, convincing Tri- Caliban, bro. Yeah, he, he tricks him into doing it. What book is that? Is that Silmarillion? I think it's... Yeah, it would be Silmarillion, yeah. See, the oh, thing yeah. that, like, I don't like about how this is portrayed in the TV show is that it, it legitimately doesn't seem evil at all. Like, Hal Brown is, like, just legitimately helpful. It's Did like, you just rename him Hal Brown? Hal Brown, yeah. Like, because, <laughs> like, in the in the um, game, it's kind of like he's manipulating him, he's tricking him, he's making him do it, and at the penultimate moment, it mm-hmm. betrays him. Whereas in this show, he's like... Uh, Caliban was stuck. He he could not have done anything if Halbrand didn't say anything. And Halbrand's just like, "Hey, you know, you might want to do this. This might work." And Caliban was like, "This is brilliant. I'll do this." It, it just seems much much um, more like Halbrand was actually a key part of this process rather than someone who inserted himself in order to for his own ends. This is true. Yeah, um, the dialogue that they exchange in in this moment, and then the dialogue between Gil Gilgalad. Gilgalad, Galadriel, and Calabrimbor, and Auron. I mean, Auron's not really kind of participating in that conversation. He's kind of there. Um, even that piece of dialogue between the three of them and four of them, and I try and sort of compare that to how Halbrand kind of behaves as this evil, sinister, seems to kind of know a lot about uh, craftsmanship, you know, um, blacksmith craftsmanship, whatever it is. <laughs> And how they kind of use this idea that, well, Calabrimbor is just going to listen to some random dude, which is what Gilgalad says, right? Gilgalad says, mm. you're willing to listen to some stranger from the Southland, um, pretty much call, calling him like a nobody. Why are you listening to this nobody? And then in Calabrimbor's defense, and also trying to steal the credit, he says it was it was merely just the key to the, what? What does he say? What's the phrase he says? It was merely the key to the something. Yeah, it's like sort of like, he just gave me the idea. My brilliance unlocked the rest. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what he's trying to say. Like taking all the credit for it, but really, so I, I think it's smart that they restructured the dialogue in that sense because it could have easily been super weak. Because at first, um, when we're going through that dialogue sequence between Sauron or Halbrand and um, Calabrimbor, um, at first I'm like, what? How aren't you supposed to be like? the OG and the god of, like, blacksmithery, and you're seriously just going to entertain his suggestion, you know? And I, they kind of just, you know, they, they kind of brush it under the, the rug by saying, oh, no, he, he just made a, he just, you know, gave me a little bit of idea, but it was my brilliance that really came up with the whole thing. Like, do you give that a pass, or do you, like, what are you guys' thoughts? Abby, what did you chime in this? Um, I would say that I don't like how any of it was written. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see, I can see that though. I can see why you would think that. What, what didn't you like about I, it? I have to. I just have to disclose my bias at the beginning. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm just very into the tradition. I'm wanting things to stay as they were. Like, I literally got the leather bound Lord of the Rings, so I can pass Ooh. this down. Yeah, so I can. Oof. Man, hold it up. Can, can you just give huh? it a little bit of a slow-mo yeah. twirl? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Damn, that is a nice-looking yeah. book, dude. Yeah, it's 50th anniversary edition. Damn, how much Ooh. is that? It was like 160-ish or something. Nice. But, but this is something I want to like pass down to my children, right? So this is um, what I think they're destroying by just taking liberties with all this law that Tolkien wrote. Like too much creative liberty is what you're saying. Yeah, and they're, cha- they're changing things which don't need to be changed. 
So what, what was changed in the distance? So I actually obviously don't know what actually happened. Well, Galadriel's not the, supposed to be the way she is. She's supposed to be married to Celeborn and have a daughter, Celebrine, by now, who's married to Elrond. By now? Yeah. Oh. Do you reckon they'll try and explore that in season two? Actually, maybe not by now, but she's at least married to Celeborn by now. But maybe not. Oh, wait, no. Well, he, Celeborn's dead, so they are married, but I guess he's not alive. But the thing is, he's not, he can't be dead if her daughter's not born yet. Oh, and, yeah. And so, <laughs> in this particular scene with the whole, like, Celebrimbor and, and, and Halbrand helping him out, was there anything in this scene that was um, different in the books? Yeah, well, the way they forged the rings was different. Yeah, I actually learned this on a YouTube video as well, is that the the rings, like the Alvin rings, were actually the last rings to be forged, right? Yeah, and you know how um, they forged all the metal into one, they smelted it all together, mm-hmm. but the rings they made were three diff- uh, two different colors, that didn't make sense. But the oh. truth is, one of the rings was made of mithril and the other two were made of gold. Oh, so the other two actually had no mithril in it. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of is, interesting, is, right? Wait, wait, sorry. Yeah, you sorry. go. Um, you go. Is that why they deliberately just kind of defaulted to this idea that one is gold and the other is silver? Which didn't make sense because when I'm watching that sequence, I'm like, didn't they merge silver? Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> threw me out of it. But they do. Well, it's supposed to be one mithril silver looking one and two gold ones. But it doesn't oh, make sense God. if they use the same metal, that right? It actually makes me angry. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of weird with that is that like they've portrayed mithril and, and, and Abi, you've already kind of told me that this is not true that mithril is like the magical part of this equation right like they, they've made mithril like the thing yeah and so they all should have mithril if they're all going to be powerful and yet that doesn't appear to be the case yes yeah, mithril is just a, a metal and all it's not like imbued with some mystical power but they've sort of made it to be this piece of macguffin perhaps maybe it's yeah. a piece of macguffin so, in the future seasons, in know. the original show, then, like, what is the power? Because gold is just straight up gold, right? Gold is like it's super light and super strong. That's it. But like the rings itself, like, because yeah. in, in this, oh, the, you know, they, they have silmarils in them. You know those stones. The, it's the, the rocks that are important. Yes. Ah, okay. Because yeah, because yeah, because in this permutation of the show the middle <clears throat> is the special ingredient they, they yeah. pitch it as such and that's what it is but yeah. in the books it's the rocks that are important the stones yes all right well we're gonna we should swing back to the rings because i have so many questions about how this whole episode ends and i have it, most of these questions are around how the rings are forged and what is what are the powers how do the powers even come to existence and all that kind of stuff, but we'll jump to that once we get towards the end. Of the oh, one last thing on this one. The thing I, I kind of liked about this um, section was that, like, uh, Keller Brimbor is trying to pitch a crown, putting a single crown on someone's head, and that kind of, like, I feel like there's a little bit of, like, Halbrand influence there to have, like, one item that's super powerful, and then... A, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, bit, but near the end, Galadriel's like, no, no, we should have three because one by itself can be corrupted. Um, I don't know, it's kind of like that kind of storytelling. That's good, yeah. I do like that part of Blandriel. <laughs> well, I mean, like, not the character, but just like the whole, like, how does one become three and one was attempted first, and yeah. then eventually yeah. Sauron does create one anyway. But I, I think, I'm pretty sure that's lore, isn't it? Isn't that book lore, Arby? Where they talk about the reasons by the reasons around why we should have three. Um, they, I can't remember the reasoning for why there was three, but it, I don't think it was what they portrayed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm just 
hearing things in my mind. <laughs> oh, and one last <clears> thing. Sorry, I'm, gonna take, I'm taking way too much time. Um, I liked the, you know how Kelebrimbor says, like, this is not just power over flesh, it's power mm-hmm. over something, something I forget. What no, it was wasn't, like, he said it's now, he said, what was it? Power of flesh, it's power yeah. over flesh. Yeah, that's right. Mm. The thing I liked about that was that, like, it's not of you the flesh. and I. But over flesh. Yeah, like, you and I, River, we were like, oh, that sounds familiar, but why? And then, like, if you think about it, it's what Adar says in the last episode, and yeah. that implies, like, the evil slant. Yeah. It's one of the very, very, very few times in this series where they don't beat you over the head with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's a reference. If you remember it, cool. If you yeah. don't, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah I don't it. Mm, and then it kind, of up, that. it kind of picked up Galadriel's ears when she heard Calabrimbro um, say it. Mm-hmm. And she assumed yeah. it was um, Halbrand which told him. Mm-hmm. And that's because, the thing, because... Oh, sorry. Because I, I believe she sees the connection between Halbrand and um, yeah. Adar, right? That's how, suspic- that's how her suspicion starts, is because yeah. she hears that line. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's what Adar said to me. <laughs> That's the thing, like, this show, like, if I look back on the other episodes, there would have been a flashback of Ada saying it, and her being like, hmm, like, they would not have just let that thing sit, and yeah. I was impressed that they did this time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Otherwise, it's just too, it's over-exposition at that point. Yeah. But this show does that all the time. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they love characters that stand around talking. <laughs> all right, I'll stop now. All right. Uh, meanwhile, back in Numenor, ah. <sighs> <laughs> Back in Numenor, King Farazon, or just Farazon, orders his batch of apprentices, including Isildur's sister, what's her face again, uh, to come up with... Yarian. <laughs> what's her name? Yarian. Yarian. I don't even remember knowing her name. Man, you uh, need subtitles. <laughs> they'll each get an hour with the old man. Isildur's sister decides to sketch a portrait because... Why not? Let's just... But did you realize they, she was sketching the portrait in the wrong direction? The king was facing right, but so, the portrait... Yeah. Of, and she was so, drawing yeah. him, right? Like yeah, a live model. the portrait's like facing left or something. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah. That's a big fail. Yeah. But why the hell is she sitting there right, like drawing a portrait of him? It's, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's because, yeah, I'm a character and i got nothing else to do sitting next to her dying king so i might as well just draw him um, no she, she's she's drawing him to um because they think he's going to die soon and they want to have like a monument to him right? oh i understand the reason by it but why yeah that that part's dumb like why <laughs> have a character sitting there drawing it seems like such a waste of space and screen time <laughs> oh just... i hated this scene like even the i think the it's the worst scene episode but he assumes she's muriel no, she doesn't, right? Does, doesn't he kind of say, no, 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 I know you're you're going to be the queen one day, but not Miriam. Like, he kind of says he's not crazy. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. he, I thought? I thought he I was still so. crazy. I'm not sure. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Well, it, he does do kind of like a bipolar thing where he gets up out of bed, like, super quick. And I'm like, how the hell did he move so quick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he runs over to the corner of the room or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Even mm. after Arby, you told me that Farazon becomes badass, I still don't care about this storyline. <laughs> well, it turns out he he kind of lets his uh, power get to him. He he was the king, and then he started becoming more of a tyrant. Right. Mm. Yeah. Just like all good stories, we need that. We need them tyrants. But yeah, like random king jumping out of bed saying, "Touch the palantir because you're going to be queen one day," and she just stands around looking weird. I don't know. It just sucked. It's yeah, I think I read somewhere that um, Sar- Sauron kind of surrendered to Farazon, 
Which makes mm, sense. I think yeah, that's going I remember you saying that in the previous episode. Mm. Mm, that's cool. I'd love for them to explore that. Um, not too long, <clears throat> mind you, but long enough to know what the hell is going on. Back in Linden, High King Gilgalad listens to Calabrumbo and Aron's proposal. Blandrio is here, too, for some reason. <laughs> this is something you should sort of think about. Why is she standing in the room as well? Because remember, remember, Gilgalad says you shouldn't even be here. Doesn't he say something like that to? Yeah, no, but because he thinks she should be, she should why be here at all? Not yeah, room, why you? Right? Yeah, what? But yeah, but like, but it's it's obviously like obviously indicating that you shouldn't be in this room at the same time. Oh, really? Well, I it was more like you I shouldn't mean, be what, in the world. <laughs> well, what's the difference between not being in in the world in their world and not being in the room? What's the difference? The point is like you shouldn't be here. <laughs> And and it's it's kind of true when you think about the scene. It's like, why is she standing in the room? Ah, plot device, you say? Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so obvious. Like when I when I look at it again, I'm like, oh, she's only there so she can pick up that line that was said to her by Adar and be like, ah, now I'm gonna figure out where this suspicion is gonna lead me. Anyway, um, <laughs> yes, Calibrum Boy says it could be a sword, a plate, a cup, or a crown. Why a crown? Why not a fork or a knife? The king asked. Now he doesn't actually say that. Um, <laughs> because it's circular, you twit. And it would power up more. And you would place all that power on one person? That's actually what he says. Yep. The, the king is obviously reluctant to jump into such dangerous bit of hocus-pocus. He tells Calabrimbor to get the flock out of, out of there and head back to Linden. Wait, I thought... We were in London. Oh, he, he's <laughs> his thing is in Eregion, so they must be in Eregion, surely. I don't know. It's it's a little wonky because I actually thought we were in Eregion, but we're actually in London. Okay, well then he's. But then he says, "Go back to London." His workshop should not be there. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I don't know. I'm a little bit confused as well. Um, this could give us power over flesh, Carabimbro states. So where did you hear that line? Galadriel asked. Uh, the, uh, left the oven on? No. <laughs> and then he exits. Anyway, Calabrimbo leaves. He doesn't even answer Blandriel um, in her response. Um, this scene is rendered pointless as Auron convinces the High King to let them do the, let them do the thing that they want to do moments later. It's, yeah, so everything that they're doing in the whole workshop um blacksmithing the rings of power and blah blah blah. all of that is completely subordinate yeah sorry insubordinate to what the king says and so it turns out that the king is pretty much the guy that's the most level-headed dude you know which kind of makes sense you know he's supposed to be the wise king he should be he should have some kind of provisions around what the future is going to be like right and he should have a clear direction of where his leadership goes or how far his leadership goes um, so he's, he's definitely kind of like the good guy. I feel like King Gilgalad is all pure good, if that makes sense. That's my opinion. Yeah, he seems reasonable uh, most times, but you don't see him that often, so it's hard to make that call, right? Yeah, it's true. And it's funny, because remember when the, the season started, I actually thought that that was Elrond. <laughs> because he looks Elrondish. He's got long black hair. Well, he looks like- more like Elrond than, um... The guy that's playing the bloke that's playing Aaron right now, yeah. Mm. yeah. But I think like this scene. I mean, I, I've commented a ton on this scene. Yeah. So. All right. So, back in the Great Forge, 
um, Halbrand does his thing as Gladwell looks suspiciously on him. She starts doing a little digging into Halbrand's past. The king of the Southland arrives looking or chipper. Working with the Alvin Smiths of Oregion is cool, he says. Ah, so we are in Oregion. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. we must be. Yeah, we must be. Uh, thanks, Gladio, he says. You believed in me. I had all but given up, but you pushed me and made me believe again. I'll never forget that. Do you guys remember this line? They're in the courtyard, whatever that Yeah, they're just is. being... Yeah, I remember yeah, that. They're sort like, of touching bases and, you know, sort of seeing how's, how are you, how's things, how's your injuries. Oh, that's right, your injuries are gone. <laughs> I, I didn't realize. Um, he takes a step closer and the music gets all eerie. I didn't actually pick this part up in the first time watching it. And the second time watching, I was like, oh, my God, this moment's, like, so evil. How could, How did we not? Did you pick it up the first time? I, for one, did not. I thought he was, like, putting moves on her. Yeah, well, maybe that's how I interpreted it. I was like, oh, he's, like, getting super sexual on her. He did imply, like, there is a level of power to say that I'll see to it no one else does either. Like, that's kind of like a, a, a statement what... a powerful person would make or a tyrant. So it's, a, it's it, a statement that like rapists would make, I think, if they're that close. <laughs> <laughs> it's super creepy though. You know, it gets really airy. I think the scene kind of like boils down to be a little bit dark too. I think the lighting gets a bit dimmer in that moment. So it's like, pretty creepy. I don't recall that happening, but I mean, like in a traditional film or show, it's something where like. When you when you like you watch a show, you don't know what's going on. You find out the ending where like there's a big twist, and then you go back through it again, and everything starts to make sense. Yeah. I traditionally would like something like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen this again. If that's like true or not, but like the way you described it, maybe I do like this. Mm. It's it's kind of a cool scene, but it's again furthermore like so obvious that he's Sauron. <laughs> Especially that line, the way he delivers the line, and then a um. It's like airy music in the background and the light gets dimmer and yeah. Um, she looks uncomfortable. A huge, I've made a huge mistake. Um, uh, the, the, yeah, I've made a huge mistake. Um, sort of frown that splashes over her face. Elsewhere, the stranger converses with the three wise m and uh, Well, one is m M&M <laughs> and the other two are, I don't know. Helpers. Uh, Beyonce, Beyonce and Rihanna. <laughs> He's still not sure who the hell they are, but they recognize his stars, which they state are located in the land of Rune. There you can kick ass, Sauron. Um, he gets all dramatic and does some tricks and with the wind. The dweller knocks him out before he gets too out of control. Nearby, our halfwits hide in the bush. Um, the three wise women sense their presence, tie the stranger up to a tree and leave. Nori tries to untie her pal, but her mom stumbles upon uh, the real stranger lying in the forest. But that means Nori trembles as the stranger tied to the tree attacks. Um, the other two baddies show up and toss a knife at Sadok. Oh, I was so glad when this moment happened. You <laughs> hate him, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I don't like any of these characters. I mean, Nori's probably the only likable half of it, to be honest. Like, I think Nori's no. kind, of, kind of a cool character. But even she was oh, too stupid to uh, keep me entertained for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't mind Nori. Like, I mean, no, like, she not... kept doing really, like, blatantly stupid things and then being surprised oh, by yeah. the results. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. don't do that and then that won't happen. I mean, to be fair, she's a child, right? Like, she's, what is she? 12? 
I don't know. If you go by the hobbits aging, if they're the predecessors to hobbits, like Frodo was 50. So, you know. Frodo was 50? Yeah, 50. Damn. Oh my god, I thought Frodo was like 16. (laughs) And so, so Abby, what are your thoughts on this entire, like, plot of the the Harfords? Like, this whole thing? I feel like they're just trying to find a reason to, like, create content. Which doesn't need to be there when they've got like, but then I also found out they don't have the rights to most of the other Lord of the Rings stuff, so that's probably mm-hmm. why they're making yeah. this shit up. That's what I found out as well. Yeah, also they don't have the rights to the Silmarillion at all, right? Like they yeah. can't make it too close. Yeah, so it's a, I kind of understand why they're doing this, but I wish they'd rather not have done it at all. Yeah, because they could have oh, just filled okay. the episode with other important story lines. Yeah, for example the exact title of the show rings of power i mean i feel like you can make a rich story around the creation of the rings of power am i not wrong (laughs) but it can't be too accurate (laughs) jeez they should just said no to this whole thing then no (laughs) um so sadako's dead um all hope is lost, but the stranger reemerges and presses the X on his control pad to summon the wind. <laughs> X, X, X. <laughs> There's some cool wizardry type action that goes along. The halfwoods toss rocks, and the dweller tries to bring the whole forest down with fire. It turns out that Eminem, we get exposed Eminem's greatest weakness, which is rocks from the halfwood, who's like super weak at throwing rocks. By the way, did you notice that the the fight was a copy of Gandalf and Saruman? Yeah, I noticed that as soon as like Eminem did the whole twisty turn it, thing. Yeah, um, you're talking about the fight that they had in the tower, right? Yeah, in the in Isengard. Yeah, where yeah, where it, I mean that fight's so cool. Where Gandalf yeah. is like on the ground, pretty much doing a backspin. He's yeah. like break dancing on the ground. Yeah, but he's um, using two staffs. Yeah, using two staffs. That was such a cool fight scene. Yeah, that's how wizards fight all the time with staffs. So it's kind of funny, actually. Like, do, do we sort of take points off because, like, it's a copy and paste, or do we add points because it's an homage? Uh, I, I personally didn't really enjoy this whole scene, though. I think it's, like, the second weakest scene in the entire episode. But that is a good question, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do we like it because it's an homage, or do we dislike it because it's lazy? Because I, like... Is it an homage? It is a prequel. I feel like it was just an accent. Do you reckon it's an homage? Uh, I think uh, it was deliberate obvious. in some sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because, like, we, there's been a couple of times where we've said, oh, this is a copy and paste of something from Lord of the Rings. And I started to think, like, is that good or bad? Uh, like, are we happy? Well, I think, I think, really I think when they did things like, I think the Aragorn and Halbrand one was too, a bit too on the nose. It was just, you know, the Lost King, uh, the King of the Lost Lion yeah. who comes back out of nowhere. So was like the exact same character like Aragorn. Yeah. Yeah. Except at the end, he's not. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, like, they tried to do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just a thought point, I guess. Yeah, observation. Yeah. I like I it. I like I it. No, I don't. <laughs> um, so where were we? Yeah. So Eminem has a weakness, which is rocks being thrown at her. Um, <clears throat> all hope is lost, but then Nori hands down the dweller's staff to the stranger and tells him to choose who he wants to be. He stands and uses the staff to vanquish the three wise women who proclaim, He's not Sauron. He's the other Istar. <laughs> so this didn't mean anything to me, Istar, because I don't know any other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty he- sure that you were the same as well, hey, Tony. But, I mean, we probably figured that that meant something along the lines of wizardry. 
Well, at the end of the episode, well, I didn't know what it meant at all, but at the end of the episode, he literally says, I star means wizard yeah. in like, he says your tongue, in which your tongue isn't... means wise one or otherwise known as wizard. Yeah. He like yeah. says it in the episode. So yeah. you know, that's cool. Yeah. Um, no, he replies, I'm good. <laughs> The three halfwits tend to Sadok. Um, his wound is too great and dies watching the sunrise. And we get death on camera. Everybody sits together. Let's just not like get sympathetic or empathetic at all. Let's just do exactly what he says, which is just sit next to him and watch the sunrise and then let him slowly die off camera. I always find these types of scenes super annoying. Like death on, oh. uh, yeah, death on screen, off screen, whatever it is. Like, uh, gonna say something very very poetic because that's just part of my culture <laughs> and then just die watching the sunset ah uh, sunrise yeah i'm like eh, yeah okay. I, I think i'm with you i think like this scene it's kind of funny your recap says like it's a really great scene full of action i mean there is action but at the same time it's just like i was just a bit disappointed by how the whole plot sort of turned out mm. because you wanted them to be sour on <laughs> I just didn't want it to be so obvious because, like, when when you're doing a show that's based largely on mystery and slow build up, when it goes exactly the way you think it will, it, it's a little bit disappointing, in my yeah. opinion. That's why I liked the Halbrand story because that was kind of a twist. Mm-hmm. This one was like a reverse twist where they tried to trick you into thinking something it wasn't, and it's like, oh no, it's the thing you thought it was for ten episodes. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they arrive at Numenor. Everyone heads to the top of the ship and pauses. What? The queen asks. What is it? What do you see? <laughs> what doth your eyes tell you? Yep. What, what do your elf eyes see? Do you know what that, that line is from? Yeah, I'll, be, uh, I'll be one over that elf okay. line's from. Lord of the Rings, right? Here we go. Lord of the Rings. Was it Two Towers? I think it was Two Towers, right? I think so. Yeah. It's when the, they it? take the orcs, right? I mean, the yeah, orcs, the well, orcs are traveling across. It's when the orcs take the hobbits, right? They, they've taken the hobbits and they're traveling somewhere. I can't remember where. To um, Isengard. To Isengard. They take the hobbits to Isengard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what do your elf eyes see? <laughs> <laughs> what's, this, what's the first line that he says? They're taking the orbits to Isengard? No, nah, oh. that's the second line he says. I, was it? I can't remember. I only know that line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the memes. Taking the hobbits to Isengard. And like the camera's doing this real cheap like swoop around. I think it's a pretty cheap camera shot angle, to be honest. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, where were we? Yeah. Uh, what do you see? What is the matter? Why don't anyone answer me? <laughs> this is a cruel joke. <laughs> God damn it. Answer my questions. Um, we finally see black flags draped all over the locale, which we clearly know that the king is dead. So, long live the king, blah, 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 blah. In Eregion, the forging isn't going so well. The mithril is too strong. Calabrimbor is ready to murder everybody. But Blandriel and Auron calm her the hell down. Halbrand uh, suggests suggests that that using too much force, um, the oars need to be coaxed together. Never heard of that word before. Even when you said, it, I was like coaxed. Okay, mm. that's that's a word. That's a new word for me. Coaxed. Oh, nice. Um, Gladriel looks suspiciously. A document arrives just at the nick of time from the NPC of the show. <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's he's pretty much an extra, right? He's, I mean, he's, there's he's, a lot of extras. Yeah, but this guy's like so flat. He's basically an NPC. He's like a robot, you know. <laughs> he's like. He is perfectly elven. Yeah, but 
I think the elves. I think the elves and Lo- <laughs> the elves and Lord of the Rings. They are kind of like sort of bland-ish, but they have a sense of character. Some of them, you know, some of them kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and shows the true lineage of the Southlands. Halbrand looks especially at Galadriel. Halbrand kind of thinks to himself, "Oh shit, I'm in trouble." She knows that I'm Sauron. <laughs> Uh, later, Gladiol looks positively dejected after reading the document. Damn it! I really wanted it to be Sauron. <laughs> Instead, we're going to be told that we've been known, we've known all along. <clears throat> Halbrand arrives, all giddy. We're going, uh, we're going to make two things smaller than a crown. He says, like a schoolboy. Uh, schoolboy <laughs> desperately wants to make love to the sword. <laughs> Who are you really? Um, there is no king of the Southlands. The line was broken over a thousand years ago. Um, and then he says, I told you I found the necklace on a dead man. And he's, he's not lying. You know, this whole time he hasn't been lying. He's been telling the truth the entire time. So it's, it's kind of one of those kind of manipulative relationships, right? I guess pretty much all destructive relationships is all very manipulative. It's like you sort of switch certain words, the sentences get a little bit skewed and you're kind of like, Oh, maybe he was right. Blah, 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 blah. Um, her brain short circuits a little bit. He's like, you saved me on the raft. He's like, you saved me. <laughs> <laughs> you convinced the queen to attack. No, you did. Gladio <laughs> <laughs> well, takes a step back. She's like, you fought beside me. I fought with you against our common enemy. And he's right. Like, this whole time, his enemy was actually Adar, right? Like, he's been mm-hmm. wanting to take down Adar the entire time so he can be the true ruler of... Uh, what turned out to be Mordor. Um, the music starts to swell, and she's like, Who are you? What is your name? <laughs> I have many names. The way he delivers that line, I think, is one of the best lines delivered in the entire series. Yeah. I have many names. Because, like, dude, his face changes. Like, his acting chops were really kicking. I think he's actually been a pretty good performer the entire series. I agree. Um, but, man, just in this moment, where it gets, like, super dark and... I love like I love the direction in this scene because it's very clever directing. Um, so hats off to Wayne Yip. Like he's deliberately remember how he's walking down the stairs, the steps, whatever it is. He walks far enough so that he still has higher ground above Galadriel. So we see sort of a status shift, right? It's like hmm. Galadriel. Oh, sorry, Halbrand slash Sauron is is imposing his status over her, and also mm. the way the camera is angled. And the way he looks down. So it's brilliant directing from the director. Mm. Really, really good contrast and sort of chemistry, even though the chemistry is kind of messed up right now. Um, and then I love how she goes to try and stab him, which also I'm, I'm kind of thinking, wait, all you did was just try one stab. What happened to all your kind of like warrior, like army shit before? <laughs> what happened to all your skills? And you just Maybe she was shocked. I don't know. She was stressed out. I feel like maybe things. like he was very easily overpowering her, right? Like, yeah. There's an implication there, I guess, that like he's very easily holding her back. Maybe there's also an implication on him having some kind of magic holding her back. Maybe that's why she's shocked, perhaps, right? Well, she sends he sends her into her brain, right? <laughs> Eventually, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've said kind of my piece on this on the scene. How about you guys? What do you guys think of the scene? I think this is one of the um, positive things I have to say about the show. <laughs> like you said, it was well, it was well done. And uh, River, you articulated pretty well why it worked so well. Nice. Yeah, I agree with that. I think like he, when he delivers that line, it is very cool because like he gets like 
deeper. He just like kind of changes his entire demeanor. And I think that's really, really cool to see. Um, I thought plot-wise, it kind of didn't make a lot of sense to me. That's, like, that's true as well. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. aesthetically, it looked good, but it was still like a lump of ted in terms of story. <laughs> <laughs> like, she says, like, the you're not the king. The line has been broken for a thousand years, right? And that implies that there's, like, there's no king of the Southlands. But clearly the Southlands were expecting a king. Might not be him, but there's definitely a guy out there um, irregardless of who's actually... Like, is the implication that, like, there is no king that is promised? Like, yeah, I think I think like Sauron killed him. I think he was telling the truth when he said he got it off a dead man. Mm. Yeah, he, that he, dead man was the king, and, yeah. and it stopped at him. Right, and so, like, there is no king that is promised. That's just a rumor that is made up that shouldn't exist. Okay, if that's true, then that's well, fine. He but... never made it up, though. Yeah, it was probably him who made it up. Yeah, because that's oh. the thing that's kind of weird. Actually, like, she's... Sorry, yeah. No, I was going to say, he wouldn't make it up if he was a king. Does that make sense? Mm. It would be someone else making it up about yeah. him. Yeah. I, I think it's just like, you know, like a whirlwind of rumors, you know, and also the expectation of the townspeople of Southlands, right? They're probably just all expecting that there is a king and somebody might have started that. Maybe it was Wildrig. I don't know. Maybe Wildrig like started the rumor that that the king is coming. Who it knows? could have even been like a form of like religious, like optimism. For them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. Yep. Yeah, because... Well, like, she I think like, like the once and future king, he was um, predicted to come back. So it's just like a archetype they're borrowing. Yeah, that, that's also um, possible as well. Like, sort of some kind of belief system around, you know, we, we will eventually get a king, even if we don't really believe it, but we're going to hold on to faith that a king will show up, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. So one thing I think from storyline-wise, like, he could have easily not revealed his hand here, right? Like, she says, who are you? He could have just said, I am a beggar. I'm not the real king. And that would have probably flown with her. I think um, the reason I like this scene is because in the ensuing scene, he clearly tries to, like, become romantic with her. He wants her to be his queen. Mm -hmm. And so it's... um, there's a there's a reason why he might play his hand to show that like you know I am this guy I am powerful you can become my queen I know I think Arby you mentioned last episode that like there's like sort of an incel element to this which kind of ruins it a little bit but yeah <laughs> yeah they're they're trying to make it look like um, he turned evil because he got rejected by a woman <laughs> <laughs> true yeah I think there's but- a lot of that yeah. I do like the idea that, like, he's not overtly evil here. Like, he he's making logical sense in all of his arguments. And, like, he clearly has shown in the past as well that he's, like, he wants to say Numenor. He mm-hmm. wants to kill a bunch of orcs. Like, he doesn't seem to be intent on being evil. And something's going to push him there. I really hope that that interaction with Galadriel isn't, like, a full 180 into full Evilden. Mm-hmm. I want a lot of things to happen to eventually push him all the way there. I have some... Um ideas about how they could have played out Sauron towards the end of the episode. I'll share with you a little bit later. Um, So I have many names, blah, blah, blah. Uh, She lunges with the blade and Halbrand easily grabs her arm and thrusts her into the past. This kind of creepy um, hypnosis thing, which is also a little bit of a reminder of how Kate Blanchett's Galadriel in The Fellowship of the Ring, she does that to Frodo, right? I think she she does it to Boromir as well, maybe. But... You know how he's like he's he's scared to look her in the eyes, maybe because oh, he yeah. can sense that. True, yeah. yeah. She's got creep, creepy like magic powers here, right? So she does that to Frodo. You know, Frodo kind of gets oh he she does it twice, right? 
remember when Frodo is kind of like under attack by the orcs and he has the light of a Lindial mm-hmm. and he kind of falls. I can't remember why he falls, but he sort of gets transported to like a field and then he sees Galadriel and Galadriel like helps him up. up. Yeah. Um, but the creepy part is the Fellowship of the Ring moment where she turns into that scary ghost, whatever it is, ghost witch. Power hungry version of herself. Yeah. The nun, the nun from uh, The Conjuring. No. Oh, <laughs> That's what she turns into. But yeah, so she kind of gets a taste of her own medicine, which isn't entirely true because this is like way before Lord of the Rings, but you get what I'm saying. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She's now in the first scene of the series with her bro, Finrod. Um, he reveals that Sauron was seeking a power not to destroy Middle-earth, but to heal it. And, quote, my brother is dead because of you, unquote. Uh, she snaps. Uh, we're thrust into another memory, the raft from episode two, which is, I actually really enjoy this scene, by the way. Um, you you are, didn't or you did? I did. I did. I loved it. Okay, yeah. I actually really, really liked the scene. You are Morgoth's buddy, she tells Halbrand on the raft. He's like, well, you said my past didn't matter. That we could have a future. The camera twists and we see a reflection of Galadriel standing next to Sauron in his armor. I thought this shot was wicked. I love the way the camera sort of maneuvers. It does the upside down thing. We see the reflection of Sauron in his armor. And he looks dope. He looks super dope in his armor. And then she's, you know, it's implying that, you know, she's, this is kind of like the royal couple. You know, this is the Rachel and uh, Prince who? They're, they're not the royal couple. They're not the royal sure. couple. It's William oh, and William Kate. Kate. I mean, it's, you know that family. I don't know anything about it. But <laughs> 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 Those people, right? You know what I mean. Except Sauron and <laughs> and potential Queen Galadriel look pretty damn cool in that shot. Um, yeah, wonderful, wonderful camera work here. I really, really commend the director and the cinematography in this part. Um, and the camera twists. Yeah, yeah, everyone looks on you and doubts, but I can see your greatness. There's some really cool lines that Sauron delivers here. Really, really cool lines. And he delivers them kind of... I have no kind of criticisms around how he delivers any of these lines. I think they're really good. Um, and then for a moment, we think that she might join him, which is kind of cool. Um, but then we remember Lord of the Rings and realize that's not going to happen. Um, he snaps at the news and we kind of see his troopers, um, let's say persona, not, uh, personage, 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 persona pop out. Um, and then she's underwater, stuck on the rope, drowning. Alron wakes her up. She's like, shit, I made a huge mistake and you have to prove to me who you are, blah, blah, blah. Um, just quick on this scene. I'll just like, as in quick in my opinion on the scene. I, I thought all the delivery was great from Sauron. Really cool scene on, on transitioning to this idea that or, and confirmation that, yes, he's Sauron. It's really cool. And I love the way he shouts at her as kind of like the last bit that we have with him on her. And kind of that messed up makeup on his face. Like, you know, he's he's got all that the gashes on his face on the left-hand side and makes him look like he's malnourished and a character that's surviving in Walking Dead. Um, that's all really cool. What would have worked better for me is if Galadriel actually showed a lot more weakness and vulnerability and be tempted to side with him. And if I think about how much stuff they've retconned in the series, I sort of thought, well, why don't we just go with this idea that Galadriel ends up siding with Sauron? Like, why don't we just go with this temptation, you know, where she does... We know that she's going to end up some, but but maybe this is how you 
this is how you sort of um, press. We'll have a redemption um, arc. Exactly, redemption arc. But this is how you pr- press like stress and agony and depression on the character, so that the character can develop in different areas, and then eventually create a beautiful arc where she becomes. Cape Blanchett, right? So that's what I was kind of thinking. I was like, oh, it's a little too easy. Galadriel's kind of like, meh. I just thought it would have been a better scene in that sense. Anyway, you guys jump in. You know, you know what's actually interesting with that point? Like, for me, like, I, I, like, I personally don't really care about how close to the source material it is. And, like, that story sounds really cool to me. Mm. I guess, like, Arby, is there a certain point where if the story is good enough, you stop caring that it's not, like, uh, accurate to the source material, or is it like sort of nothing could ever really make up for that? I think it's you raised that good question before. Like, if it's an homage, if it's something new, like I'd rather not see the like the law like desecrated. But if I was to look at this as its own standalone thing, I guess I might eventually like learn to like it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so if she actually goes evil for a bit, which clearly doesn't happen in the original law, if it's told really well, would you be like, okay, that's cool, or would you be like, no, that's that's not her? Yeah, well, if she ha- wasn't so much of like a perfect Mary Sue character from the beginning, and we saw that <laughs> that growth from like humility, then that would have been more acceptable to me. But maybe mm-hmm. this is her breaking point, and she shows something going forward. So who knows? Mm-hmm. You know what's actually interesting? In The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring... Oh, Fellowship? I forget which one. Um, she's like, oh, you know, give me the ring and I'll be a queen. And she actually shows off, like, how tempted she is by it. Mm. Like, so this isn't even really out of character for her to sort mm. of join for a bit. But mm. this is where I'm kind of, like, thinking it would almost seem to make more sense if they just followed through with this arc of her becoming evil for, like, two seasons, right? That that yeah. would be really cool. Because... Mm. Um, when we get to Kate Blanchard Galadriel, it's like she's tempted by the ring. She's clearly getting visions of flashbacks of like her time with Sauron, supposedly, right? Um, so it would beg to reason that we should maybe explore like an evil arc. Hopefully they do. It's so easy to have made that jump. I wish they did it now mm. that you've mentioned that. I didn't think about it at the time, but yeah. Mm. I would like to see if they bring in Celeborn back somehow and then her Celebri and her daughter. I feel like she's wrong that he's dead. That's what I think is going to happen. Like, it's five seasons. Of course he's there. Yeah, even though they did mention it. It's, it's probably just one of those misdirects. Um, one thing that I kind of wanted to mention about this scene, I hate the trope in every show that it's in where something very, very important happens. And like, at this point, she wakes up and she's like, Elrond, I've made a mistake. And she runs off. <laughs> and she never exactly actually... What yeah, she never tells them yeah. that Halbrand is Sauron. That but is I, I, I can give you I can give you an explanation around that. Is she embarrassed? Yeah, probably. Well, yeah, that's the main reason. Oh, it's just, she's meant to be heroic, but like, yeah, but like that's a part of her pride, right? Of, of like one right now, but it's so dangerous to withhold that information, though. It's... Yeah, it's terrible. Like he killed her with his brain, right? He, he like had her drowning, and if if Halbrand wasn't there, she wouldn't have woken up, mm. and so. If she dies, this information goes with it. Like, it's gone. Mm. She should not be that confident in her surviving at this point. Mm. But regardless, the information is not going to anyone except her. <laughs> and, I know. And Elrond, though. He kind of pieces it together. 
Yeah, but she doesn't plan for that. Like, that's not a her- heroic thing for someone to do, is all I'm saying. And she never tells them. Very yeah, selfish. But, but I think we all agree that she's not really a hero. You know, not, not the classic yeah. hero, because she's got so much pride, dude. Like, she's never going to want to back down from any kind of weakness, per se. Um, yeah. It doesn't surprise me that she withholds that information, other than the obvious reasons why she would withhold that information, which is, you know, how the story pans out. Um, so rather than tell, tell him right away, then and there, that Halbrand is Sauron, she runs to stop Calibrimboy to stop his forging. No one talk to Halbrand. Um, he's kind of like a evil Dark Lord, uh, <clears throat> even without saying it. Um, so come again. <laughs> one will always corrupt, she explains. Two will divide. But the three... There is balance. <laughs> Callum Brimbor needs gold and silver from Valinor, i.e. her blade. Meanwhile, the stranger, who finally speaks like a normal-ass person, or a person from London or something like that, um, sits with Nori and explains that Istar means wise one, or, big dramatic pause, wizard. Dun, dun, dun. He needs to go on to Ruin to figure out the rest of his Jason Bourne-like existence. She's gonna stay behind until the next scene. Later, the crazy woman who wanted to kill everyone a few episodes ago is now the de facto leader of the group. Let's go! <laughs> she says. <laughs> Nori's pops. Oh, sorry. Nori's pop hands her a backpack. Um, go on with that weird, strange dude, and I'm sure everything will be okay. Which, by the way, if you look at this in kind of a strip back hindsight, you're kind of like, wow, they're just gonna let their daughter go with this full-ass grown-on grown man <laughs> to adventure into the big wild world um sure whatever <laughs> that makes sense because she's just constantly messing up i would do the same i'm getting rid of her like getting rid of your yeah. daughter <laughs> yeah for sure like she's just constantly screwing up all the time she's like taking kids to see wolves she's picking up strange men she's like oh it's terrible yeah it's a very 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 strange but we accept I, it it's fantasy right i accept it even in reality man i i am with that dude Mm. and then we get this like long drawn out goodbye scene that goes on longer than the ending of return of the king no that's an exaggeration um (laughs) nothing is as long as the ending of the return of the king i don't think so um eventually nori meets up with a stranger who is basically revealed to be gandalf because he says when in doubt nori always follow your nose uh yeah that's a cool that's actually a cool moment i kind of appreciated that when he said that i was like back, dude yeah. that, that that's what gandalf said and i think this guy who's like new gandalf i think he's actually a cool character and i i enjoy him way more when he starts speaking like a normal dude like how gandalf was speaking only thing is it doesn't make sense how he learned the english with like no reference words oh, don't get me started on the whole linguistics yeah <laughs> It, it, no, it, yeah, it does make sense. They unlocked his brain. Eminem unlocked his brain. Uh, I guess that's one Deus Ex Machina, which works. <laughs> it's one of many. <laughs> but thanks to Eminem, Gandalf can now speak English. I, I agree that he's much better now that he can speak, but it's such a low bar, right? Like, <laughs> I know. I'm, uh, his character no. was uh, like <clears throat> not that exciting. The only thing that kept him interesting was the fact that he was a stranger and we're, we're supposed to believe this kind of fakery thing of him not being Gandalf. I, dude, I told you from episode one, I was like, dude, this is Gandalf. I was just hoping against hope. I wished, I wished upon a star that he would be anyone else. You wished upon a star, did you? <laughs> I did, I did. It was like a shooting star and it like didn't listen to me, evidently. Jeez. Yeah. 
that. Uh, so eventually Nori beats off a straight above Yep, when it up. Uh, Galadriel reluctantly hands over her blade, which melts uh, when combined with Mithril. Um, allows them to forge the three rings. There's a neat shot of the Mithril in the middle of uh, the hot ore. Do you guys remember this part? When, yeah. when Al- Is it Auron that drops it in? It's Auron, right? Yeah, he drops it into the middle of the melting uh, metals. Right. And then it's the what's sorry? Crucible. Crucible. Is that what it's called? I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, this guy's okay. a blacksmith as well. Um, nice. Yeah, he drops the Mithril in the middle and then it sort of um, images the eye of Sauron. I didn't catch that. What? I didn't catch that at all. Nah. Okay, to Did be honest. You say anything new? Yeah, to be honest, to be honest <laughs> I didn't catch it in the first time I watched it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, dude, that's the Eye of Sauron. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, yes, there's a neat shot. Yeah, in the middle of the hot oil, looking very much like the Great Eye. As the work continues, Sauron heads outside to do some investigating. He does a little bit of Blue's Clues slash Columbo investigating. Something's amiss. By the time he returns with her papers in tow, the three rings are completed. He knows the truth. She knows that he knows, and we cut to Sauron standing before Mount Doom, where he will presumably go and make his own ring. The end of episode 8, the finale of Rings of Power season 1. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Just just a few little, like, logical fallacies in there, but like how Sauron made that six-day journey instantly... Dude's oh. magic, and uh, and the rings that were all forged into were all smelted into one metal, but made two different types. But did we mention that earlier? We did. Yeah, and then one looks like gold and one silver. Like, how do they? Se- they didn't even separate it. Like the whole thing gets melted down. Yeah, but it's supposed to be two gold and one mithril from yeah. the story. It's not very good supervising, eh? From the um, producers, is it? <laughs> they they don't have respect for the material. Yeah, there's a little bit of laziness. Seems like there's not enough care around a the source material. Two, paying close attention to how they're pe- um, piecing the story, like this super rich story. That's I don't know, sixty percent of it, maybe even seventy percent of it, has been retconned. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's so many cool. disappointing things that sort of come up. I don't talk about lawsuit. Right? Sorry. <laughs> Uh, I also go. don't see a $60 million budget per episode. Is that, is that what it is? $60 yeah. million per episode? Yeah, that's how much Jeez. they're spending. <laughs> which, which raises a conspiracy that it's some form of money laundering. <laughs> maybe maybe they're trying to like uh, associate like costs to from that, like that video game or something. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that is pretty hilarious. $60 million per episode, that's crazy. Um, the rings, though, the rings, how they're formed, you, like the three rings, how they're formed. I love the visuals. I think the visuals are pretty cool. Mm. How they're kind of like bending the metal, twisting the metal, um, putting the jewel. What are the jewels or the gems called? I think they're the Silmarils. Silmarils. Well, from the law. I don't think okay. they call them that in this. I don't think they're allowed to. True. Right. So the magic because, jewels, I guess. Yeah, they gloss over those jewels like crazy. It's like, what are these? Oh, these are special jewels. <laughs> yeah, they don't even explain it. <laughs> you know how earlier they showed that Silmaril was stuck in the tree and that got struck by lightning when it was being fought over? In the tree over? in Valinor? 
yeah, where the the lightning struck and went down into the mithril. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But that's not actually what happens. <laughs> right, but this is the yeah. this is the explanation around how the mithril is so special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But I think it's just the way everything else gets put together and all the other things that get retconned kind of makes me upset because I'm like, man, those were would have been way better stories. I think could have been. Who knows? But. See, weirdly enough, I don't actually mind. Like, as someone who doesn't really know the the lore, like, mm. I don't hear... Like, when people say, oh, this is how it should be, I'm like, okay, that's different. I don't know if it's better. Like, I don't I don't think I, this would be way better. I think it just comes better. back to... Sorry to cut you off. I think it just comes oh, back to main, like respecting that line and that lore and that tradition so that it can be carried forward, like, for decades to come, right? Sure. So yeah. the people watching it like a hundred years from now, if they are any, which I doubt actually, but if <laughs> they should know like what Tolkien's vision was. Mm. Right. You're talking about the fact that like one day, let's say for example, this becomes like a, um, a big part of culture for some reason, mm. people will think that this is actually the story. Yeah. When, yeah. Right. Okay. But I guess that would only really apply to people that would only stick to TV or you know, screen, you know, TV and, and movies. Obviously, you could just read the books if you really wanted to. I mean, I wouldn't read the books. I contemplated a little bit today of reading the Lord of the Rings books. Have you just, never read it? Nah, Fellowship and you know, 2000, Return of the King. I, I'd probably take more interest in reading those rather than reading The Hobbit or The Silmarillion. I read The Hobbit about seven times and The Lord of the Rings about four times. Whoa. So this is going to be a controversial opinion, especially to you, Arby. I, I think that The Lord of the Rings is a hard book to read. Like, I read it when I was younger. Yeah. And I didn't have it. Like, I read it all, but I did not have a great time. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think this is one of those times where I think the movie is, like, unquestionably better, mm-hmm. in my opinion, at least. Uh, I wouldn't say better. I would say equally good. <laughs> Right. Well, books, that's still like a pretty powerful thing. The books are amazing because they have a lot of extra detail if you're into that kind of thing. Sure. Which movie. you can do, right? It's a book. You can just yeah. write as many pages as you like. You're yeah. limited with what you can do in film. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, this is what I've heard from most Tolkien fans. Pretty sure all of them are all in agreement. Like the consensus or the overwhelming um, critique on the Lord of the Rings movies from them is positive. Right, they're all mm. saying that mm. it's like incredible what Peter Jackson done with those movies. Mm. Um, they wanted. I think it's the most universally loved, like f- combined franchise, like yeah. of book and movies. Yeah. Like with Harry Potter, I loved the books, but the movies, I felt, I felt kind of went downhill. Well, yeah, they're not as good. So yeah. only, um, only the later films, though, like yeah, like Philosopher's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. Those are like page oh. for page the book, the yeah. movie. Yeah. As that's why they, they went downhill. They started off good, but then... Yeah, and I'm, I'm not just talking about, um, like, accuracy. I'm talking about, like, acting, in, filmmaking. Like enjoyment, right? Yeah. Right, right, right? Like, movie-wise. Yeah. Mm. yeah I think I, I loved the uh, Prisoner of Azkaban book. Freaking hated the film. Mm. Hated it. Yeah. I've, but I've actually read Philosopher's Stone and Prisoner of Azkaban and... Um, Chamber of Secrets. I've read those books. I remember I, buy, I bought them for like $20 each. It was part of that new edition with the new um, artwork on the cover. And oh, yeah. there was like a whole collection of the same artist. Um, so I bought them. And then I watched the movie straight after. I was like, oh my God, this book is accurate. Oh, well, the movie is like so accurate to the book. I was like, whoa, it's like page for page. And then it makes sense that the movies get less accurate, potentially like, you know, less 
um, this appealing children's well, story, but because the books get thicker and thicker, yeah. <laughs> bigger, yeah. Were you in the hype when they were coming out? Like, were you waiting for the book releases as they came? Um, nah, man. I this was a long time ago. Eh? Like, I, I think the local bookstore that I went to was like it's called Whitcalls or something, like a stationery and bookstore, right? And they had they had this big shelf that was a new edition of the Harry Potter series, and it was from this one artist who was like super popular, or whatever. Um, so I was like, hey, 25. But there were a big phenomenon back then. Like, I remember yeah. I caught up on when the third book came out and I waited outside to get the, each one after that. And oh, the views were massive. Oh, wow. Yeah, you had to wait outside and Big W had like lines and mm. stuff. And it was crazy. Wait, when was this? When I was like 14? So like yeah, probably, like, 20, 20 ish years ago. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about it. Well, uh, what rating do you want to give this? I'll be you go. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 6.5. That is quite positive from you. Yeah, because I think River kind of swayed me over the course of this. Like, I'm, I'm looking, I've been looking at it through my initial bias, right, which you already know about, but now I'm kind of trying to look at it at a more of a standalone thing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah, right. There's some redeemable things, especially the camera work in this. I think the direction in this episode is one of the best directed episodes out of the entire series. Um, it's a bit more focused, I think. It's there's less kind of ah, we're going to go there, we're going to go here, and any direction that they do take when they do go there, let's say Numenor, it has got something to do with setting up, you know, those arcs for season two. Uh, I think for me, um, like, like, like we said, like what eight last time, eight etc. I'm going to call this an eight as well. The reason for that is it's kind of by default because this whole show, I think I mentioned this before, is all about like setting up these long, slow mysteries. And this episode is where they just sort of unveiled all of the answers. Mm -hmm. Some of them really, really cool. Some of them not as cool, but just by virtue of the fact that you're getting that payoff makes it an enjoyable experience. Sure. Yeah. I'm the same too, man. I agree with your rating. I'm giving this an eight out of 10. Um, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed this episode. Good finale. Um, I'm in it for season two for sure, um, but it, I'm not sort of jumping off my seat like by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for season two. It's like, you know what? If they said, hey, we ran out of money and we're not doing it anymore, I would be fine with it. Yeah, yeah. it's still <laughs> two years it. away anyway. So the luck and is it? It's two yeah. years. I thought it was next year. No, they said it wouldn't come out for two years because they're filming right now in London and they're. I think they start filming in New Zealand. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, no, they're not filming right now. They're filming next year in New Zealand. I think around February, mm. and then they move to the UK at some some part, like halfway through the year. So yeah, you're probably right. I guess a couple of years. Mm. No, it's a long time. Cool, away. gives us time, man. Gives mm. us time. So it's time to watch all the other cool TV series. <laughs> <laughs> Rewatch um, the original Lord of the Rings marathon. Oh, like, dude, so I was thinking the about. I was doing Lord of the Rings today, and I was like, yeah. man, I want to watch Lord of the Rings again. I haven't seen it this year. I usually watch it once a year, and I do usually watch it closer to December, just as as the you know traditional release dates, because um, they all came out in December. So I'm pretty keen to watch it soon, and I'm pretty keen to review it. Who's keen to yeah. review yeah. it? Do you want to come over into uh, my place? Got a home sure. theater. Oh, home theater. Yeah. Oof. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Home theater. Done. Done. I'm in it. I'm in it. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of find out those details a little bit later. You keen to review it as well, uh, Tony? Yeah, man. You, you, this has given me a little bit of like a nostalgic kick for it. I mean, I, you're pretty much yeah. a Tolkien expert now. So. 
I've got the uh, I've got an okay extended edition. Oh, oh damn! Okay. Say less. Yours man. is the way you have. To, yeah, this, <laughs> yours is the way you got to watch it. Say less, dude. Say less. Let's make it happen. All right. Um, we've gone on very very long. Um, thank you to everybody for listening. This episode has been pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Sauron, let's go. How Brand Sauron, season two. That's not going to be for another couple of years. So um, if you enjoyed this, Rings of Power, um, you know, you're probably just going to have to wait until two years from now when we get to season two. Or you can just jump into the rest of my episodes and the podcast and have a look at all the other content that we're, we've reviewed and recapped in the past. Um, got Black Adam coming out this week, so I'm going to be reviewing that on Friday. Seeing that tomorrow night. When are you guys seeing Black Adam? Tomorrow night. <laughs> Tony was going to come. I have tomorrow, a ticket. But he's got the ticket. <laughs> I've got an extra ticket, actually. Oh, do you? Yeah. Ooh, I might have to talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to see that tomorrow night. Um, and I'll, re- I'll put that review up for Friday. Um, there's plenty more movies to come, plenty more reviews to. Um, to come as well um where can everybody find both of you guys um i've got a youtube channel called slice of pie i'm not very active on there but i will be again one day and nice. uh, my instagram is also a slice of pie nice and that is pie with a p-a-i that's right thanks for pointing that out <laughs> <laughs> tony uh man like uh my, I got an Instagram, Ook Eats Food. It's just pictures of food, so maybe don't follow it. Did you say Ork? <laughs> Did you say Ork Eats Food? <laughs> man, I eat like an Ork, man. It's dirty and it's all garbage food. So if you like seeing garbage food be eaten, then yeah, maybe follow it. And that is O-U-K Eats Food. But yeah, if, you, if you don't remember, if you forget that, then I'm going to put these in the show notes. Um, thanks for coming on the show, boys. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. That was cool. fun. Thank you. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, we'll catch everybody later and see you guys later as well. Yeah, enjoy Black Adam. Yes. Bye, everyone.